Well, good morning. Many of you uh, maybe uh, have seen or at least heard of the movie Aladdin. It's a Disney movie, animated movie. It was very popular a few years back. Um, it was the genie uh, who uh, was voiced by Robin Williams. And there's a young man who discovers and lets the genie out. And there's a young princess. There's an evil wizard. And it's a kind of it's a cool story. Uh, and one of the reasons it's it's so popular beyond the great animation and the characters um, and the music is is the sort of a little bit of a, a dream that each one of us has. What if, what if I had one wish, three wishes, no restrictions, whatever I wanted would be given to me? Uh, sort of like the guy who was walking along the beach one day by himself, and he came upon an old bottle, and, and he picked it up, rubbed it, and pulled out the cork, and the genie came out. And the genie said, oh, thank you for freeing me from these many years of, of captivity. I will reward you with three wishes, whatever you ask. Uh, will be yours. Let it be said and it'll be done. And the guy thinks for a second and, and he wants to test it. And so he says, great, I would like one billion dollars in a Swiss bank account. Poof, there's a flash of light. Uh, this piece of paper suddenly appears with account numbers on it. The guy thinks this is a pretty good deal. And he says, next, I would like a brand new red Ferrari sports car right here on the beach. Poof, there's a flash of light and a bright red sports car or Ferrari appears on the beach next to him. The genie says, you have one wish left. Choose wisely. And the guy thinks about it for a second. And he says, finally, I would like to be irresistible to all women. Poof, there's a flash of light. And he turns into a box of chocolates on the spot. (laughs) What would you wish for if you had one wish? When I was a kid, I remember thinking about that scenario. You think, okay, I'd like to be the president or be the best athlete in the world or, or really wealthy or, or, or something like that. Uh, as you grow older, those, those, those dreams change a little bit, hopefully. Uh, but in our passage today, we have a real situation that happened where a king is given this option, this scenario, but not by a genie, but by the almighty God. And we can learn a lot from this story in Solomon's response about how to please God. So we come, we turn now to 1 Kings chapter 3. And to get a better understanding of the context, let me set the table a little bit. Three years prior to this, King David, who was Solomon's father, has died. And a little bit about King David. He, had, he was leaving some big shoes behind to fill. Uh, while, during his reign for 40 years, the, the nation had prospered economically and politically. Uh, militarily, he defeated all the enemies. Uh, it was a time of wealth and prosperity, the kind of the golden age uh, of Israel. Now, we also know from Scripture that even though David was very successful as a king and well-loved, he, was, he uh, struggled at times. He had some moral failings. But despite that, the Scripture says that God said David was a man after my own heart. He was greatly loved by his people and greatly mourned. And into this, this vacuum now steps his son Solomon. The first thing Solomon does is he, um, he moves quickly to establish his authority. It makes sense, doesn't it? In the, in the vacuum of his father's uh, leadership, I'm sure there would have been political enemies who wanted to step in and take advantage. And so Solomon moves quickly to take control. In fact, it says at the end of chapter 2, the kingdom was now firmly in Solomon's hands. So Solomon has total control over the kingdom, and he can virtually do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants is his. And one would think in a situation like this that maybe it could be easy to lose perspective, no accountability, no, no restrictions, and that he might become a little bit um, 
narcissistic and self-absorbed and just be all about himself and seeking his own pleasure. Because being a king can be a very dangerous thing for a person, spiritually and for their heart as well. As Lord Acton said in the 19th century, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so Solomon has absolute power and God says, I'm going to give you one wish. And Solomon does something that pleases God. Take a look again at verse 5. God says to Solomon in a dream, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. He's not really a little child. He's just saying I'm overwhelmed. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now, you might have noticed on the front of the bulletin, the sermon title says um, heart checkup. And I chose that title because more or less this this story is like a visit to a spiritual cardiologist. As we dig into the story in the text, there are two questions that I'm going to ask that that will reveal to us the condition of our hearts before God. And the first indicator, the first question is for what do we ask God? What are the what are the requests we make of almighty God? The, the, the heavenly king uh, in our relationship with him and our prayers. What are the things that that are on our heart and that we ask for consistently time and time again? Solomon gets one request. He could have asked for anything, could have asked for a long life or the defeat of his enemies. He could have asked for wealth, wealth, riches. He could have asked for a big family, for one one heir who would reign in his absence and continue his legacy. But he asked for the ability to lead and govern his people wisely. He asks, his request is tied into the the well-being of his own people. And God says, since you've asked for this and not long life or wealth for yourself or for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. He doesn't ask for anything that will satisfy his personal needs. It's about others. So right after this, uh, it, right immediately after the story in First Kings chapter 3, there's another story that I'm going to read, and we'll make this connection here in a second. Look at verse um, 16. Kind of an interesting story. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, My lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me, and the third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't his, my son that I bore. The other woman said, no, the living son one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead, while that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. 
So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, Please, my lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But they said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling, Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. So why did the author put this story right after the story of, of Solomon and, and his dream? Well, one is obvious. One reason is obvious. He's illustrating the fact that Solomon had incredible wisdom and discernment, that God granted his requests for a discerning heart to distinguish between what was right and what was wrong and, and how to rule. Uh, but secondly, it also is put there to, rec- to illustrate that the requests that we make really reveal the condition of our hearts. The requests that we make reveal the priorities that we have. Uh, in this story, one woman makes a request of the king out of love, the other one out of spite. One makes a request out of selflessness and sacrifice, the other one out of self-centeredness and selfishness. And so the point for us, the question we have then is when we come to before our king, when we come to the presence of God, what requests do we bring to him? What do they reveal about our priorities? Uh, do the things we ask God for, are they eternal? Um, are they good or do they have positive benefit for those around us? Or are they tend to be about temporary things and self-centeredness and our own our own our own uh, agenda? And, and desires. The second indicator of our heart condition is to whom do we listen? In our hearts of hearts, who has our ear? Now, my, my Hebrew is, is uh, elementary at best and it's rusty, but according to Jewish rabbis, the word that's used here in verse 9, when it's, transla- it's translated discerning heart, is the word leshema. And leshema literally means a heart with ears. It implies a soft and tender heart which, which cocks its ear towards God, yearning, straining to hear God's still, small voice, straining to, to hear his will and purposes. And, and there are two kinds of hearing which are involved, right, in our relationship with God and our, our relationship with the world. There's vertical hearing where we listen to God through prayer and through the word of God. And the other kind of hearing is horizontal hearing. That's when we hear those around us, hopefully listening to godly counsel. And we can see the wisdom that Solomon had when he asked for a heart with ears. As a king, he would have been swamped with words every day. Advisors giving him advice, people clamoring for help, people seeking to catch uh, his ear. And so Solomon asked for a heart that could discern how to sort through all the voices, all the noise around him to hear God's will and to rule in a good and pleasing manner. Isn't that something we all need? I mean, we live in a world with constant clamor. Social media, technology, pop culture, the voice of friends and neighbors and the people around us constantly talking about different worldviews and different values, the things that are important, the things we should do, uh, what our priorities should be. But we need a discerning heart heart with our ears turned and tuned to God, able to to sort through all this stuff and find the intersection of God's will for us in each and every situation. But unfortunately, we all are sometimes somewhat hearing impaired. 
We all exercise selective listening at times, hearing only those things which we choose or want to hear, or hearing and listening to only the things that, that justify the choices that we've already made in our hearts. And if we don't tune these things out, they become earplugs in the ears of our hearts, keeping us from listening to God, and we become spiritually deaf to the voice of God. Which is what happened to King Solomon at the end of his life, sadly. We see foreboding of this uh, in verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. And we might think Solomon, it says, obeyed God in almost every area. What's that mean? 90%? 95% he obeyed God? But what's the big deal? Nobody's consistently faithful and obedient in every area of their lives. Surely one little compromise wouldn't hurt him spiritually. But as we read more about Solomon in the scriptures, in fact, spiritual compromise is what leads to his downfall. Chapters 9 to 11 tell us that Solomon married women from other countries who worshipped other gods and had different values and priorities. And eventually his worship with, of God was corrupted and his relationship with God was changed. His heart began to become hardened and calloused. His ears were stopped. In chapter 11 it says the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. In essence, his heart stopped listening to God. And although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. You know, anytime we choose to ignore God's word, anytime we choose to compromise, anytime we deliberately engage in selective listening, anytime we obey, accept, fill in the blank, we begin to lose our spiritual sensitivity and our spiritual hearing. We are to tune our ears to hear God's voice. We are to be aware of things that preoccupy us at the cost of tuning out God. Anything can become a distraction. Our job, money, sports, music, social activities, social media, technology, even relationships, if we allow them to keep us from hearing God. But how do we keep from falling into this pattern of selective listening? You ask my family, and they'll tell you that I'm not much of a cook. But the things I pull off the grill tend to be pretty tasty. It has a little bit to do with some experience and some things, lessons I've learned over the years, some burnt offerings. But the reason it usually turns out pretty well is because of my wife's preparation. She marinates the meat. She does dry rubs, all sorts of things. And, and, I, and I simply then follow her instructions and baste the meat, and the meat turns out great. To keep the ears of our hearts open to God, we, we need to baste our hearts in God's word. To continually apply it to our hearts. To let it soak in. To keep us soft and tender and focused and receptive to God. And so a good question to ask is, to whom is my heart listening? Am I hard of hearing spiritually? Am I a selective listener? Or are the ears of my heart tuned into God? In Matthew 13, 13, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah, and he's describing Israelites who could not or would not hear him. They had seen him do miracles, they heard him teach, and yet they will not listen to him. 
Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. It was possible to stand right in front of Jesus and yet not hear his words. You know, God is right next to us. He displays his power in the beautiful world around us. He reveals himself to us. He speaks to us through his word, through his spirit, through the godly counsel of friends. But if we do not have a soft and responsive heart, a discerning heart, a heart with ears before the Lord, we, we will miss out. We'll not hear him, his full counsel. God has created us to communicate with him. He wants a relationship with us. And he's given us hearts and minds with the capability of hearing and understanding and knowing his will and purpose for our lives. Jesus says this in Revelation 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, with her, and they with me. May God give us ears to hear, hearts that are quick to respond through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. God, we thank you that you are God who has created us for a relationship with you. That you've given us hearts and minds and the capability because we're created in your image to determine between what's right and wrong to make choices that benefit others and honor you, to hear from you, Lord, directly and personally. And yet, God, we confess that there are so many distractions around us, so many voices pulling us this way or that way, clamoring for our attention. Lord, help us to have hearts with ears that yearn to hear your voice, that strain to hear your voice, and that are quick to apply your will and your word. We thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent your Son. And, and so we ask this in his name, Jesus the Christ. Amen.